0: These different strands, these different, pardon my dogs.
1: (laughs) No puppies were harmed in the recording of this podcast. Are you sure? No, I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure.
2: (laughs) Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God.
1: This is Not Church with John and Nat Turney. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast podcast. I am your host with the most, Nat Turney, along with my brother with the Gandalf-looking beard, John. Say, yo, 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 what up, John? Yo, 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 what up, John? <laughs> see, that's, I'm just going to get more and more complicated with our introductions, you know, see if you can follow <laughs> along. It's going to be, you know, next time it's going to be like, say, like she sells, she sells by the seashore, John, go, and you'll have to, no, all right, anyway. Nope. we are brown cow? Uh, <laughs> how now, brown cow? Brown chicken, brown cow? Hey, that's going to lead us for next time. Okay, so we are here with our good buddy, Meg Calvin, otherwise known as Meggie Lee Calvin, um, a close or maybe distant relative of John Calvin, which we'll get into later. We can discuss her Calvinist leanings or not at some point in the program. But Meg is an amazing human being. She is a, a best selling author. She's written two books that I'm aware of, maybe three or four. She's probably written a couple under a pen name, um, some self published. Um, wait, a minute, we'll talk about that later also. Um, she is <laughs> as, where, where she excels as a writer, she, she, she really excels as, as a coach. And she is a writing coach. She's a marketing coach. Um, she um, really, really focuses it on helping people like me who think they have a book they want to write and maybe have a lot of obstacles. And she helps to clear those obstacles out of the way. It's really, really, it's an amazing thing. If you were in the market for a marketing or writing coach, um, man, this is, uh, this, this is your hookup today. But we would just love to talk to Meg about whatever it is that's on her mind and see where the conversation takes us. So without any further ado, Meg Calvin, welcome.
0: Yay. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. And as you were as you were introducing me, I was thinking about your Matt, your unique style as a writer that was as I remember what we titled it as was your style of writing, which is so amazing and such a gift to the world is what would happen if the comedian Daniel Tosh and Keith Giles were to procreate a book baby.
1: That's actually be one of the endorsements from on the back of the book from Meg. It'll be like it's as though you know Daniel Tosh and Keith Giles had a love baby or a love child. I said a love baby. That sounds. <laughs> why does that sound weirder when you say love, love baby? baby. You don't say, love <laughs> child. She had a love baby.
0: Love <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: You know what, what's really interesting? Let's. We might as well just start with that because I think it's interesting um, that one of I think your greatest strengths as a coach. Is teasing that out of people. You know what I mean? Like 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 helping us to understand that 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 the world doesn't need another Brian Zond. Um, there is one and he's fantastic and, and so there's no sense whatsoever in trying to emulate it. good God, if I could make a one coherent sentence, it'd be great, John. Emulate. There's I see, no sense in what you're stepping it, in. It, it, <laughs> But there's no sense in trying to emulate somebody else's style. Lean into who you are you know and even if like so 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 speak to this if you could because one of those things that that we discussed very early on was those um those little whispers in the back of your mind you know the, those those um you had a term for that i'm sure you'll tell me in a second but those things that say eh who, who needs this book like like it's already been done somebody else has done this better um was it a limiting resp- belief or was it yes, a a limiting creative? belief and so yeah, just, just uh, if you would speak to the to the power of, of getting
0: rid of those things, if we can. Yes, yeah. So that is a really amazing question. And I was thinking, I was being a bad listener as you were talking and I was thinking what I wanted to say before you were done. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed with all the authors I've had the pleasure of serving, all of them not only have very healing books that are going to make the world and the collective consciousness a more healed, better place. But they also all bring a diverse set of blocks and limiting beliefs. And, um, so helping them first and foremost, like you said, get clear on how could I best serve them? You were, you were, I'm kind of, I, I will get to your question. I promise. But, you were the first, and I told you this, you were the first author that I served that did not need my help with creating a format for your book that was readable, retainable, and relatable. Um, You also had an amazing idea. And some authors I work with come to me and they have four ideas. And then we get to hone in on what wants to be birthed first. But you had an amazing idea and you you had honed in um, a, a format that was already readable, retainable, relatable. And... I felt that once you and I connected and got to work together, working together that, yeah, you're the only thing that I, I feel that I was honored to serve you with was helping you realize that you peers. <laughs> and I re- I remember it was, it was one of the boldest conversations I ever had with a client with you one time was I said to you, and I asked your permission first because it was very direct, but I said to you, when are you going <laughs> to... I st- I still laugh cuz it's totally not me but I felt like it was needed was that you were you were wasting drooling time drooling over these big name authors Zon and others and Jerzak that were amazing, and I, I without realizing that they were your peers, and I asked you, when are you going to stop getting off on name dropping all of these impressive theological authors? And you you, said, <laughs> <laughs> you you said to me, oh, it's it's not like that, it's not like that, and um and so I don't but, know, but exactly it, was. it was, it was okay, awesome. It was. i
1: like felt- <laughs> it was like that. No, you just can't say those things out loud.
0: Right, right, yeah. So that was that was your only. I feel as your partner that I notice and I'm I'm thankful that I get to show up with authors that have healing books and get curious with them about what is the real block and now you are, I mean, I, um, I feel, I know our partnership is over. I feel that you are, you, you are so unstoppable as you were before you even partnered with me. And I, I, I hope that I served you in unblocking that part, That you are just as amazing as a writer, as the guys that you were name dropping in your book. And I would say, I would rather read yours as I told you, because you bring in this like, um, Daniel Tosh style of just spitting out wit and wisdom so quickly. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I got to get a pen. I'm learning so much on just one page. So I would rather read yours as of the spice that you bring is your, your style. Did any of that help or answer? Not,
1: I mean, it, it helped. It helped me, uh, whether our listeners get anything <laughs> out of it is immaterial at this point. Um, really where this is all about my, you know, assuaging and massaging my ego, but, um, yes. but no, yes. that It's all, all, that's all we ever do here. Really. I mean, come on, let's be honest to, uh, to uh, prop up my massive ego. Um, (laughs) and actually, you know, what's funny is there's, there's a certain amount of, and tell me if you've had this, this sort of experience with some of the people that you work with, some of those limiting beliefs come in and manifest themselves in, in a sort of false humility. You know what I mean? Like, like, I am not supposed to say, I think this is going to be a great book. I need other people to say that. You know, I, I don't, so to me, it sounds cocky and arrogant to come in and say anything really, really positive about what we're doing. Um, I would much rather deflect and put the credit on you and say, well, and honestly, the truth, truth, this is now that I've said that this is going to sound disingenuous, but the truth is, had I not partnered with you, this idea might have languished in the you know furthest recesses of my lizard brain for God knows how long before I decided to you know crap it get out the pot. So um, one thing that I would tell people if there's any inkling whatsoever in your mind that you might, might want to partner with someone like Meg, and really who, who else but Meg would you want to do that with? But don't you think that does it does it help to create a sense of urgency where it goes from the back burner of like okay well someday I might do this someday I might do this and suddenly you've sort of put your money where your mouth is. Um, you've committed yourself to a time frame, and then you've said, "Okay, I need to get to work on this." Um, I've paid, I've paid Mega a lot of money, so now we have to, you know. No, it's not about that. But it's, well, I mean, well,
2: before before you answer,
1: I, j- I just want to say that that I that's a valid part of this, right?
2: I mean, we we can't ignore that. I mean. You get paid to do this. This is your job. This is your livelihood. But you're, but in doing that, what you what you're bringing to the table is what exactly what Nat's talking about. Encouragement, you know, pushing someone towards finishing a project that without you, and I, and I'm talking from the side of someone who doesn't use a writing coach. I, I'm a loser, everybody. I'll just admit that right now. So I have a book that I'm sitting on that's on chapter two, and I think I started mine before Nat started his.
1: See, so, it's time to uh, fish and cut bait, John.
2: <laughs> so I think that's a valid part. And, and I, I don't think we can ignore, and people are like, well, she gets paid. Obviously, she's going to be there and help you. It's like, but no, that's, it's like any other vocation. It's like any other job, right? We, we, we do, well, hopefully, hopefully. And, and it seems like in your case, you, you you're actually getting to do something that you love to do.
0: Yeah, I feel there's definitely a difference between intentionally letting a a goal or something we want to create hibernate. And we can feel that difference. And it's we're consciously choosing that every part of us is choosing to let this book idea hibernate. And then there's another way to move about it where the, the fear is doing you, the fear is doing me. And it's and then that's happening at a subconscious level. And we can we can hide behind the story of Christian humility. But most often it is it's it's not Christian humility. It is some kind of fear or limiting beliefs that I'm not smart enough to write about that subject. I'm too much for people. If I was to fully express myself, how I want to express and over the erotic fiction about dinosaurs. Just kidding. <laughs> <Throw that>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, see, they, you already let my my next my next book idea slip. Thanks. I thought you <laughs> said that was private.
0: Um. <laughs> but but, uh, but to answer your question, Nat, um, the not the one about dinosaurs, but the one about
1: <laughs> <laughs> which dinosaur would be best.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the the does having accountability or a deadline help? Then um, I would say yes, especially if it is if the fear is doing you at a subconscious level, and you're not doing you're not intentionally hibernating with the idea at a conscious level. Does that does that make yeah, sense? I, I, no, I, I
1: think that's right. And from my perspective, I, I think this, so why this is a great conversation to have, I think, is because the first time we spoke, I had no idea what you did. And I think that was obvious in the really, really dumb ass questions that I asked. So, and the yes. fact that I think I actually got bounced from that interview for a good chunk of time because my computer crapped out. And oh, so yes. we had some technical issues. And but anyway, but I really had no idea. I hadn't had a chance to read your book. I wasn't exactly sure what it was you were doing, but I connected with you even in an interview and we connected quickly thereafter. I, th- I think that same day, I think I re- sent you an email and said, okay, what does this look like? How does this, because I, I, I sensed in myself that I would need somebody to help pull some ideas out and someone to help me strategize a few things. And I, I didn't realize at the time that I also needed somebody to help me with deadlines and, and sort of give me a reason to, you know what I'm saying? I, I, and, and, don't misunderstand. It wasn't pressure, but there was, a, there was always in the back of my mind. I got to talk to Meg on Monday and I damn well better have something for her to read because I don't want to spend an hour talking about the thing I didn't write this week. And so, and again, that wasn't, that wasn't an overwhelming thing. It wasn't a burdensome thing. It was just, it was a driving force. Like, okay, let's get this done. We have a short amount of time. Um, I love the time frame you, that, that you put on there. It was, it seemed like a long time when we started and then it went really fast. <laughs> So, but I do remember telling somebody that you were equal parts therapist and writing coach because there was there were quite a few sessions that felt um, a bit a bit therapeutic you know where you were you were helping me to kind of uncover some things and dig through some things and find out you know those some some of those conversations were very frank and very direct and they needed to be um, and that was super super helpful, and it helped i think focus in on what the book was going to be so for that, I thank you, and um, I think anybody. Again, I, I'm gonna this is gonna sound like an hour long commercial, but um, <laughs> so be it. If you're looking for somebody to help streamline and help sort of bring into focus an idea that you have, it helps to have a partner in this and to have someone to bounce ideas off of and someone to say, "Yeah, I'm not sure that maybe could be said more succinctly." Or, but that's what I really appreciate about what you've done so far.
0: Oh, well, you're so you're so welcome. I my my honor. I said earlier the. I have a heart for helping healing books be born. And sadly, what I've noticed is the most healing books are sitting inside people who have, have been raised very religiously in, in a religion and most I'm Christian. And with that comes limiting beliefs around talent, around money, around marketing, um, around joy and pleasure, which is a huge part of writing is re- the same way, how, as open as we are to receiving inspiration to write. Is how open we are to receive pleasure throughout our day, and so that's a another another block that some writers, that some writers struggle with. And yeah, you're exactly right. A forty thousand word book, which is twenty thousand words shorter than <laughs> yours, a forty thousand word book can be totally birthed in six months, and that's. At only 280 words a day, that's less than half a page. So when you have a, I think I have, I have two coaches and I hope I show up for my clients like they do for me, reminding them, you can do 280 words a day. You can. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah, you definitely can. And that was helpful too, to reframe. So because, you know, a lot of times you're looking at this process and you're going, oh my God, that is just, you know, that's an insurmountable task, you know? And I don't know how people, I honestly still don't know how people do this, multiple times a year. We're going to hopefully get a chance to talk to David Bentley Hart here soon. And uh, I, I was talking to my friend, Keith, who's kind of trying to help us get connected with him. And I said, you know, yeah, Harry's got a new book coming out. And Keith said, oh, he's got three. <laughs> and I said, oh, three. Plus he's, and he just put something online. He's got some other articles he's written. So I'm like, what do you just do? Write from sunup to sundown. You must just, that must be all that you do. And so if you would, there's also not a limiting belief, but a limiting reality that all of us you know besides David Bentley Hart are 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 bivocational this is not what i do for a living you know i'm trying to squeeze out some time in my day is that something that you help people with as well to organize their time and say listen you can squeeze out this much right
0: yeah yeah totally so we we get to get clear on how your brain works as a client. And so I do a little personality test. So I figure out how, how to best serve you, what is best needed, and then we check into. So that also helps us figure out like, are you one that likes to write in the same space? Or do you need a different place? Are you one that likes to write to instrumental music or total silence? Or are you fed by the energy of other people at a coffee shop while you write? so we help you figure out your ideal writing space and routine and then we say oh you're also married and you have kids okay and they have schedules so let's check out what is are you going to be a daily writer a weekend writer or a binge writer where you write one weekend a month and then what's your goal going to be based on on that and then just and then getting extra creative around like you did when you broke your elbow you're you were so again an area uh, an opportunity to grow for other clients. You didn't have this area of growth in yourself, which was um, you're so you're so entrepreneurial, which means you're also very resourceful and self-driven. So when you broke your elbow you began talking to text so you spoke your book into being a few chapters so that's another way to, to make it work I have some clients who use the the Otter app on their phone and that means when they're um, when they're driving they're they're writing their book just talking to it while they're driving so we get we get resourceful around that and some of my clients really struggled with the pandemic because they be, they had kids at home and they said I had to stop my book there's no way I can write and then so we, we got to ask the question, how much, what, what needs to, what needs, what conversations need to take place in your family that would allow you space to be writing I mean, I could, if I just got an hour a day, I could do 300 words. And okay, so who can you call that can be with your kids? There's always an alternative outside of the box solution we can get through. So yeah, that's a big part of it is helping establish a writing, um, a sustainable writing routine that honors your personality and life stage to get your book done on time.
2: It's going to feel a little a little out of place, I think now, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway, because you, you mentioned that a lot of the people you work with are... People who are religious or are coming out of maybe a Christian uh, background. And so they have these, they have these built in limited beliefs. But so on that, and I think Nat can also speak to this too, a little bit. So as you're writing this book, sometimes about your deconstruction, sometimes about how you left the faith or left a faith that no longer works for you, you have to talk about people in your past. And you have to talk about them in sometimes a not very nice way to get your point across. So, do you find that to be a, uh, a an area of limitation on a lot of people? Is because we're raised in a in a, in a religion and a belief that says, "Hey, we we take care of each other, we honor each other, we we don't talk shit about people. If we do, we definitely do it in closed behind closed doors where we do our gossip. Right? We do our church gossip behind doors with our close friends in prayer meetings,
1: John.
0: During joys and concern. right?
1: Yeah, we only, right, right. We only do those during prayer time as prayer right. requests. Oh,
0: yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, that's that's also the other way. That very
2: passive aggressive prayer request. Um, but I was—is that an area that seemed to be hard for some of these authors? Nat can probably talk on this a little bit too to get past that. First of all, you don't want to you don't want to just bash people to bash people because that's not productive and it doesn't help. But at the same time, you're going to have to talk about some of these hard truths that you kind of came to realization of specifically about people that were around you, right?
0: Yeah. Two answers are coming up for me and that is the boring answer which is write what exactly happened and of course change the names or leave people anonymous and then there's another level we could go deeper with which is writing first about it from a place before you healed your shit around that and then doing some deep work to heal your shit around that and then rewriting that section and then choosing what would best serve the reader right now. And what is most, what is most honoring to the book? I say that because the, this, my second book was a a satirical self-help book and of being on a church staff from the age of 17 to 32, and talking about how I became how I needed to recover as a people pleaser because I I gave so much power away to louder Christians in my life, parishioners, staff members, that I had forgotten who I who I was. And so there were certain things I wrote about then before I had healed that stuff within me. And I would write that book differently now. However, I don't want to write the book differently now because I feel If I may quote Jay-Z, Jay-Z, I may. Thank you. Thank you. Jay-Z was once (laughs) once interviewed and he he was asked, now that you're a dad, are you going to like, what are you going to do with all of your rap songs about drugs and gang culture? are you like, what are you going to do with that now that you're a dad? And, um, Jay-Z answered that he is going to do nothing with them. Cause that, that was where he was creatively and they served a place and they served, right. They served a purpose in that place and time. And I feel the same as I'm, I'm feeling the more I talk to fellow authors, the same is true for them that our, our ideas are, what's that word I can never remember that they need to come out, not in chronological order there they are. They come out in a certain order a purposeful order. Did that help or did that answer? Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah.
1: a couple of the authors that we've interviewed over the years. Over the years, oh god, John, it's not even <laughs> been a year. Yeah, over the years <laughs> and years yeah, of this podcast, um, uh, but through the over the months, um, I remember. I remember uh, one of the most striking comments that one of them said to us was Felicia Merle, and I had I had picked up her book and I read it and I loved it. There was still. In it, some elements of things that triggered me a little bit, because when she wrote it, she was still, she was probably more religious than she is than she is now. She was from not right. as far down a deconstructive road as she had gone. And so I remember asking her about, you know, in the, it was like, what do you, what do you think about this book? Do you still love this book? And she said, um, there's a reason that Jesus wrote in sand, and it's still one of my favorite quotes. And my mean, the meaning I took from that was. She didn't. She still loved it, but there were things that she would go back and tweak because she's not there anymore. But she said essentially the same thing. It served a purpose. It was it was authentic to where I was at in the moment. I remember asking Brian Zond once too about a book he'd written early, early on, one of his very first books. Not on the podcast. I asked him about this when we first time we met, and I can't remember the name of the book now. But it's. But I do remember asking what he still thought of that book. No, maybe it was. But he did say he still loved it. But he would. He would definitely like another crack at it, you know, 20 years, 30 years after he'd written it. So I think John's right. There's, there, there is this thing. I know that you don't work with exclusively people who are writing religious content. I know some of the people that you've worked with, their, their topics don't come near what we're talking about right now. But for those of us who are writing about those kinds of experiences, I know that you and I talked about my book in the very beginning, because I was very candid about some conversations. In fact, the introduction of the book. Centers around a conversation that I had with the pastor that really kind of sealed the deal for me like I was done with some of this stuff. Um, well, I still live in the town where this guy lives, and we're still friends and we still like each other. Um, he's going to read this book probably, and immediately know, oh damn that's about me and i was I was and am still concerned that he won't take it in the in in the spirit in which I wrote it because I tried very hard not to be. I wasn't really being overly critical. I just was relating what happened. Like, this is the conversation as best I can remember it. This is what, this is, this is what, what bothered me about it. Um, so yeah, I think you're exactly right. I don't have any issue, by the way, name dropping people who are very public figures. So in my book, I have no issue calling out Mark Driscoll for the scumbag that he is. You know, I don't have any issue, <laughs> you know, calling out, you know, Way of the master douchebags and their pseudo evangelism. I'll I'll drop a name if I think it's um if it's useful, but I'm not going to drop the name of the guy who lives you know across town from me. <laughs> call undue attention to him for no reason.
0: Yeah, t- totally. Yeah, that reminds me of your awesome your awesome witty style. That the best comedy offends someone. And if yeah. you're afraid of yourself, yeah. then you can't be a comedic writer like you are. Like you, it's a, a good comedy is at the expense of somebody. And, yeah. um, yeah. You just have to be sure,
1: sure to punch Isn't that where that punch up thing comes down. We don't want to be punching down. Yes.
0: That's why. Yes. So,
1: <laughs> so, so blasting the, blasting the poor schlub across town, who's doing his very best, even though we disagree. I love him. He's a good guy. There's no, yeah. there's no utility in that. Um, I don't mind punching up to some of these other knuckleheads who, who, uh, who traffic in their own name enough that I don't mind trafficking in somewhat.
0: Right. And you can, you can, this kind this goes back to John's question. You can, so much of great writing is listening to your body and getting in tune with your body. And you can, you can check in and see what is my motive for this? Am I writing to get revenge? And I've, I've been there and that's, that's not going to be aligned with in in line with integrity and my frequency as the, as the creator is going to come through in my creation. So if I'm writing solely from a place of being vengeful, the readers are going to feel that. And so there are times that we check in with our body and we, we breathe, we come home and we think, you know what I'm writing because I'm still so fucking mad at that person at the church. Like I have so much anger this isn't going to serve my reader right now, speaking from my experience about a certain part that I left out of my second book. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not going to write this. Um, yeah. that We can, you can check, we can check in and figure out what's, what's my motive here. And uh, it, this, this is kind of related. I had a client who um, was gay and hadn't told a member of his family and he was a pastor and he was afraid to, he was afraid to write But his block was coming up because he was afraid to publish this book about being a gay pastor because of one person in his family. And this happens a lot. Like most of the time, our writers, sometimes most of the time, writers block when we say like, I'm afraid what they'll think of me. It's usually not a veil for writers. It's a it's a one or two people. And and their voices are in our head telling us that we're not smart enough or that we're going to be rejected. So anyway, he couldn't, He he hit this big block and he, he came out three months into working on his book that he hadn't told this one person he was gay. And so what we did was we wrote a chapter of, um, based on or pretending that he had told this person and this person was a hundred percent supportive and loving and accepted them and was so happy for him to live a full, happy life as a gay man. And then we wrote another, cha- another version of the chapter that was this person, um, not, not knowing, not knowing. And, and then I, I asked him which one felt more at home to him as a writer. And he of course said the one where he, he was loved and accepted. And so then we get to talk about, we're going to go with that chapter and you let's talk about how you as a co-creator with the divine can self source that love that that person's not giving you right now. And, um, yeah, so that was another way to tap in about how to write about sticky situations. yeah, wrapping up that question. Forty-five minutes later. <laughs> no, it's great. No, it's. <laughs> it actually ties in nicely a uh, little bit to the questions from the Facebook group. From your Facebook group, yeah. I have questions from uh, Carol Wimmer and Jonathan Wilson.
1: Woohoo. Two of our most favorite contributors.
0: Yeah, and so this this whole idea of sorry, I'm not the host. Can I go here?
1: Please do no, please, John. Clear, John and I clearly. It's... Yeah, we've given up any pretense of knowing what we're doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Jonathan's question is connected to this idea of there's there's someone who's at a different stage of consciousness than I am that's not going to like my book, and that I'm afraid, on a subconscious level, I'm afraid that if they don't like my book, I'm rejected, I'm not accepted, I'm alone, and I'm alone that was a, that was a fear of mine too. So I could totally relate to my, the client. So Jonathan's question is, um, to no surprise, it's a beautiful long winded question. And the question is, um, the comment I always resonate with is when John is like, I am 51 years old and have never, has never heard of any of this before. I echo this in like every episode. I've never heard this before. So how do we increase the reach of our authors and podcasts? The message and the ideas in these books help so much, but they don't have the marketing machine bookstores as more mainstream authors. How can they get a place of actually earning a living doing it? I do think we have begun to see the interactivity of the community starting to solve some of these problems. A couple of good examples, a good chunk of us actually buy all the books we can and interviews on mutual podcast. Um, if I remember right, the editor of the podcast was from Facebook, um, Meg Calvin being a coach, Keith Giles doing some editing, et cetera, et cetera. So the question I want to tap in, and it might not be, it might not be a likable answer, but the question is, how can we get more people to know about this? I've never known about this. And I, I'm, I know what he means by this is your, the content of your show. Um, So the question I have is, the answer I have, um, and I'm excited to hear what you guys would answer to this too. The answer I have is, it's not meant for everyone. Oh gosh, did I just say that? Ah. (laughs) What I I mean, nervous laughter. Oh, I just said something controversial. What I mean by that is that everyone's invited, obviously, and not everyone's (laughs) ready for it. And I... I think about the uh, the four the four levels of consciousness. Have you ever heard of this? It's amazing. So it's it's this moving from, and we move through all of these four four levels of consciousness throughout the day. The first is life happens to me, like victim consciousness. Life happens by me, responsibility consciousness. Life happens through me, surrender consciousness, and life happens as me, oneness consciousness. So I say that what I have found is that different strands of Christianity um, land in either of these. Yeah. So to, to maybe not answer Jonathan's question in the way he wants, I feel more conservative right wing evangelical Christian churches that that's the the religious story that they're telling themselves about God, Jesus, salvation, the rapture, any theological point it is in some way serving them until they choose that it no longer serves them and these these levels of consciousness that we all move through throughout the day and the study some studies i've read say that like 90% of us simply stay in the to me Life happens to me, or life happens by me, consciousness. And if you notice, I've noticed that in more conservative Christian-leaning denominations, they're what they're teaching really celebrates the victim mindset and um, fosters that victim consciousness. And that is, that is, that is, I know this is going to be controversial, but that is okay. It's not my job to save them until they're ready to be saved or have their mind changed as they move through these levels of consciousness.
1: Now you're, I mean, you're right. There's, I mean, what's when, when, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Mm -hmm. I I do understand. I I think I get the frustration that, that, that folks like Jonathan feel because there is such a. I'm going to use a big word here, John. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. There, is, there, is, there is such a hegemony around um, Christian writing and Christian... It, it, there are people within that structure who see themselves as the gatekeepers. Um, I write about this a little bit in my book because um, if you run afoul of that machine, um, they can take away your livelihood, and they do. So Jen Hatmaker felt this deeply when she... No longer carried the water of right wing evangelicals, and um, Beth Moore feels it maybe less so. But you know, as she's as she's decided to speak out and be her authentic self, um, obviously um, our dear friend Rachel Held Evans felt it very deeply because I'm not sure she was ever inside of those circles. But if you go to, I, th- I think I think one thing that's interesting that's happened over the last probably 10 years is watching some of these sort of chains of, of bookstores and places go bankrupt. Um, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I don't think the world needs another Lifeway Bible Christian bookstore, whatever it was called, um, where they get to decide what books go on the shelves and what books don't go on the shelves. Um, so there's there is that sense that I, I can send. I, I'm, I was just talking to my friend Todd Mullen. Hey Todd, you made it under another podcast. Um, Todd yeah, Mullen, yeah, uh, who happens to be my co-pastor, and anyway, we he he had gone up to. Uh, his daughter goes to Texas Tech, and so he'd gone up to Lubbock to see his daughter. And they always go into Barnes and Noble. That's what their deal is. They go to, they love to go to bookstores. And he's like, the last several times I've gone, there's nothing there for me. Like you peruse the religious section um, at a at, at a major bookstore, and you w- you will find the usual suspects. But you won't find some of these other sort of marginal voices. Um, the people that John and I and people that we talk about on the podcast would all know and love, right? We could go, man, Brad Jersag and Brian Zond and, you know, go on down the list of people that we all know. But outside of certain circles, you just get blank stares like, I don't know who that is. Um, so yeah, uh, one thing that I think that you bring to the table, um, is this, this, I guess, for lack of a better word, permission to market yourself. You know because that is sort of a no no taboo right with this even even though obviously big name Christian people market the crap out of themselves and no one seems to blink but for some of us that feels like you know marketing seems like a, a little bit of a I don't know just something that's not inside of our 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 expertise or not something we're super comfortable with so um, talk about walking people through marketing their book and and marketing themselves for that matter
0: yeah, I first like to start by quoting a Bible passage.
1: Nice. Always, a, always a solid choice.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I rarely do it. So I'm glad when I, I'm always glad when I'm surprised when I do. Yeah. So first, <laughs> first John one ten says this beautiful, beautiful prayer. I'm sure all your listeners have it memorized because they're good little Christians. Sure, sure. In, in,
1: that's, that's in the new Testament, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Gotcha. And, um, in this prayer, Jesus is celebrating and praying for oneness with the Father, that, he, that we may be one with God, like they are both one. And how I interpret, oh, that's a buzzword, how I have taken that verse, how that verse has spoken to me, is that we are all connected as the body of Christ, if we choose to use those words. And by that, since we are connected, we can trust that when we are moving with integrity, if an idea is coming, bubbling up within us, it's there for two reasons. And equally, both are, hear me out. I'm going to, this is really important. Both reasons are equally important. The first reason is to give us joy. That idea as a co, as a divine co-creator made in the image of God, we receive joy, pleasure from creating. And the second reason that idea is there is, and it's just as important, is to serve another serve another person who's desperately hungry for it who's been waiting to be served by us if we if we can be Esther for a moment for such a time as this people are waiting have been waiting for us to birth that idea based on our experience our 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 gifts of this this moment in time what is happening in our lives that allow us to do it so we, all, we also see that truth in quantum physics, that um, thoughts become matter, that energy follows thought. And so we're also, if an idea is within us, it's there to serve someone else. Now, it's, it's not like a broken record. I always say, unless you want to go start a GoFundMe campaign for full body laser hair removal, <laughs> that idea <laughs> that idea that's inside of you is there to serve someone else. So once we get clear on that with Christian authors or um, spiritual author, no, it really is just Christian authors. I have some clients that aren't Christian and they don't struggle with this as much as Christians do. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. Yes, with marketing, <laughs> yes. So once once we're clear on that, we get to tap into how can we make marketing less about being slimy and manipulative and salesy and more about authentically connecting with people that are most likely if you're if you're writing nonfiction or memoir who are most likely who you were and are feeling how you felt seven to ten years ago and you're in the trenches with them as a trusted guide and they are just so hungry for guidance and then how can we make marketing that feels like that relationship building as a trusted guide in the trenches with you? So we, we do that. We, I teach organic social media marketing. So without ads, and we do a pre-launch model, like you're going, like you said you were going to do with a street team. And then I, I get to go to the back end of Amazon and play the algorithm game of getting your book to bestseller. And all of that is done with the, through the spirit of, of serving people, first and foremost. And yeah, we monetize and yeah, you make money. And yes, I know that I can market the hell out of anything. And I know the game really, really well. But first and foremost, my my frequency is always service to others. And thankfully, all the clients that have come my way have been the same.
1: That was maybe one of the most useful things. Um, I, think it, I think it came in, in probably our first real meeting um, with probably... Anyway, one of the more useful things that she said to me was just what you just said was was okay. Let's 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 reframe this out of hey, I need to write a book because there does seem to be an element of like oh well well la di da. Look at him, he wrote a book, you know, like as though it isn't it is you know ego driven on my part. I just have something I think everyone needs to hear, Um, and then you you turned that around to say. Actually, what, what do you, what do you hope to accomplish with this? Like, who do you think your book will serve? Would you have loved to have had this book in your hand seven years ago or 10 years ago? And my answer was, well, yeah, no, it would have helped tremendously because, um, it's very, very helpful to, to at the very least know that you're not the first person to think of this, you know, that you're not, you know, you're not crazy. Um, and then to maybe have somebody come along and add language to things that you already think. That's super helpful. That's, that's the best thing I get out of books that I read now is I go, hey, yeah, that's, you're putting into words something I have felt for a long time. Thank you for giving me the language to articulate what I've been feeling. And ha- haven't we noticed in the last year or almost
2: year, uh, one of the most common things that people say within our Facebook group is, I really thought I was the only one doing this. Yeah, I really absolutely. thought I was the only person who felt like this. Yeah. I didn't know anybody else was going
1: through what I'm going through. Well, and there's a real danger, and Meg, you helped with this as well. There's a real danger if you're someone like John or me or you who are deeply in these circles to feel like everyone's on that, like everyone's on board with you. And like there's I realize that there are there are there are lots and lots and lots of people who are still at square one who don't even realize there is a square two. And so I have to stop limiting. The audience by saying, "Well, who needs to hear this? It's all been said." Yeah, but they haven't read it. It's just because just because Brad Jursak wrote a book about it and he did a fantastic job. Well, they may not buy Brad's book. They might buy my book, and where I can name drop Brad and and <laughs> 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 sort of sort of like trampoline off of his work. I can just ride on the shoulders of the great ones ahead of me. But but that was a really useful. It was helpful mm-hmm. to reframe that in a way. That I guess empowers you to go ahead and do your thing and say, okay, listen, yeah, the book's been written, but my book hasn't been written, and so God God help me, I hope I have a unique take on this. If I don't, no one will buy it, and we'll know, you know, it was, you know, we just won't do this again. But um, I suspect that you know it'll be all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's such a lie that there's nothing new under the sun because when you take your uniquely curated ideas through your very unique style in your lens and market it with your unique message through to a different audience than an author that might've written about a similar topic, you, you have a new experience with your book, even if it is exploring a similar topic as someone else. So it'll be, yeah. Do you talk about reframing? It reminds me of another client who said that, She was a pastor and a consultant and had been a pastor for 30 years. And it was a huge reframe for her to realize after after we equipped her to be a master at organic social media marketing, she realized, oh, my gosh, the most ethical and selfless thing I can do is market my book. And that was huge for her. And uh, I think about our friend, Ellen Compton, who is a client of mine, who her, we helped to get her book to number one, number one on Canada, Amazon, on all hot new releases on drop day with a lot of single ad, which is amazing. And, um, and she, she talked about how marketing no longer felt slimy to her. And the big reframe, the funny thing about that that really... And I was here. I was here in 2017 and my first book got picked up. I had such a... I struggled with marketing so much. And then I realized once I learned how to market that the best kind of marketing doesn't say a single thing about me as the writer. It says a whole lot about the results I'm going to get my reader and how much I care for my reader. That's what the best marketing does. And that when it's done right, feels very ministerial.
1: and And very genuine and very authentic, right? I mean... So mm-hmm. that that's yeah. And honestly, at this point, we've probably talked to a bunch of your clients, haven't we? I mean, I know Ellen's fantastic, by the way. If you okay. ever read all books. Shonda. Get
0: um, Shonda, and Shonda. and Josh Lawson.
1: Oh yeah, and Josh Lawson. So yeah, we've we've had a few of your clients on and they all they all speak very highly of you. So you're welcome. Um they all, that's look, me. They all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, um, speaking of books, we have another question. Do you want me to read the next question oh, from your? Yeah.
1: is this the one from Carol?
0: Yes, yes, it's it's re- it's wonderfully the Holy Spirit is connecting our call today. Love it. Um, she <laughs> she says, "My Carol Wimmer, my question is how to publish an academic book, type book, biblical parentheses, b- biblical research that contains over eighty full color illustrations. I'm guessing it needs to be an ebook." only because print would be unaffordable. So Carol, I did some research on your question and great news, it doesn't have to be an ebook. You should publish it with choir (laughs) and um, you will will make, if since you're the illustrator yourself, which I reached out to you to confirm that and you are, you will make more money, more royalties being the illustrator and the author of the book. That's a myth. Oh, wait a minute, hold up, hold
1: up, hold up. So I just decided I'm gonna illustrate my own book. (laughs) Based on, based on nothing in particular, um, just sort of came to me, um, I think, I, I, is that I an mean, entire book full of stick figures? Because that's all I can draw. I was going to say, you can't draw now. No, 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 I can. Stick figures. It's all going to be in there. I'm sure you can do that well. No, I don't think so. But um, that's, I, I, I remember reading that question in the Facebook group and it, it immediately, I thought of Matt DeStefano's book um, that he and Zach did together there, which was loaded with illustrations that had to be done as a hardcover basically. And it was, you know, ended up being... It's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. It's really, really awesome it also had to be sold at like $30, you know, or, you know, because it's just, there's a, it's just a lot of material and time went into it. And so that'll be a limiting factor, I think, in, at least in the short term. But yeah, I've actually, I actually have a copy of Carol's book sitting on my, on my night, on my stand right there. Um, that she gave me when we met, I met her in Kansas City. Well, same, not same anyway, near Kansas City. We were attending a conference together. And, uh, it was Brian Zahn, Brad Jursak, and, and Michael Harden, uh, in a co- conference they called the Crucified God Conference. And so we were all there because we'd connected on Facebook with, with those guys. And anyway, I met Carol and the first thing she did was put a copy of her book in my hand. And she is so generous. She wants, she just wants to get this book in the hands of people. And I think that means she's given a lot of them away, the ones that she self-published. But yeah, I would love to see her connected up with somebody who could really put some, some muscle behind her work. It's pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah. Oh, that sounds like it, it's a book that is going to serve a lot of people. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. We we interviewed her on the podcast a little while back. I will say this. Um, I still don't get it. I mean, she, her brain's functioning on, on another level. Um, that is, so it's, it's, it is, it's amazing what she's saying. I just, I, I have, it will take some time to fully digest everything that she's, Everything she's putting out there—it's—it's—it's it's, it's interesting stuff.
0: I am—I'm glad—I'm glad you said that because I wanted to—I wanted to take a second go if I could at the question around uh, Jonathan's question. Not a second go. I just feel like, as always, not, I am—I am—I get so nervous on podcasts as a guest. I—I I figured it out recently. I was telling my own coach that I'd rather—I'd rather speak to a thousand people live than be a guest on a podcast. And as I meditated on it and journaled about it, I realized that uh, it was. I always, had, my whole life, I've always had test anxiety. With a multiple choice test, I could figure out and argue why A is right, why B is right, why C and D is right, and I would get so nervous and stressed. Well, I was, I, I was approaching podcast guesting like a test, and I would get so nervous, and then I would ramble. And so I decided last week, and that I, I shared with my coach, I am going to start treating podcast interviews like a game of Balderdash, which is my favorite game ever, where you just you're totally spontane, 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 spontane. spontaneous, 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 spontaneous,
1: spontaneous, 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 spontaneous,
0: spontaneous, spontaneous, spontaneous,
1: spontaneous, 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 spontaneous,
0: spontaneous spontaneously just pulling things out of my ass just saying things <laughs> and so that's what i'm trying today and it's really it's really calming my nerves but um what i in the midst of my nervous rambling that's still here a little bit um that i get to work through is jonathan's question uh was and you talking about how there's there seems to be a lot more books being sold by those conservative right-wing evangelical Christian leaning authors. And I feel like that's always going to be the case no matter how well we market our stuff because, and I don't want to sound pretentious, and I hope that does not come through. It just is what it is, that there are less people who are living in the the level of consciousness that is Oneness consciousness or through me consciousness, surrendering consciousness, there are less people interested and ready for what we are selling. And that is okay. That is not to say that those who are, that do believe differently, they, it's not to say they might never change their beliefs, but I feel that what we are, what we are dishing out is not for the masses. And that is okay. And that's also very, very, um, encouraging and catalyzing and it lifts the weight for authors when you get to get clear as an an author of who my book's for, and then which I, I help authors with, and then clearly say to people when they invite you to come speak or someone wants to buy your book, you can stand in confidence and pure love for yourself and say, you know what, my book's not for your audience. It's not. It's not for you. You can buy it, but I guarantee, like, it's not for you, and that's okay. <laughs> it's not for everybody,
1: so. right? You're not, you, you can buy it, but you are not going to like it. Yes. Um, well, just you know, not not to put too fine a point on it, but there's a reason that the mainstream is the mainstream. So exactly.
0: Yeah, you said that so concisely, as always.
1: Like, like inherent in what we do is is most of us are are, are going against the grain. Well that's that's necessarily totally. going to take fewer people with you on that ride. And the people who are merely interested in marketing to their mainstream audience have no there's no impetus there at all to to do something other than what is formulaic. You know, um we're gonna talk um in fact the next interview we have is with uh, Carolyn Whitney Brown and she had Been approached to finish a piece of writing that Henry Nowen did before he died. It was he died and it was not finished. John was telling me about that before. It's amazing. And well, one of the things that I loved about reading about Henry, Henry, and I I kept wanting to call him Henri, but I guess he goes by Henry, even though he's Dutch. We're so But but one of the things that that, that struck me about him was as he's struggling with how to write this book, um, he says, "Like I could have, like I could have easily fit this into the patterns of." a couple of books I'd already written and just, and it would have, and actually he went so far as to outline it and do all this stuff. And he just scrapped it. He said, I'm just, I'm not doing that. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to be the guy that just keeps repurposing his work. Um, so he was, he went to the, to the, I mean, to the, to the great lengths of high, of going to writing classes. And, and this is an accomplished author. who one of the most famous at the, at the time of his death. He was one of the most well-read, you know, famous writers of his genre um and he was reading books about writing and going to classes about writing to try and come up with some new way to present this material that that had so captured his imagination and so that's that that's that's i think as we approach this authors like us um the people that you represent um the people that choir likes to publish there just needs to be that sense that, that like exactly what you said, that what you're writing won't be for everyone. We're not writing John Grisham novels that, you know, millions and millions of people are going to go, yeah, okay, John write, Grisham.
0: Write, a fiction.
1: Right, right. So this is a, I mean, we're already in a niche, we're already in a, in a, a little bit of a niche market anyway. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think and that that's liberating somewhat to realize that, okay, this is going to be for it's going to be for a specific audience. And, and and hopefully that will leak out a little bit and other people will pick it up. Because um, yeah, the first totally time I picked cool. up a Brian Zahn book, I was like, who the hell is this guy and where's he been all my life?
2: Well, and you know, I think so. you can also, I mean, it's it's not maybe not for them right now, right? So that's right, the other exactly, part of this. Yeah. So, I mean, the perfect example for me and, and Nat and I have talked about this before is I, I read Brandon Manning 20 Brandon years ago. God. Right. And it did nothing for me. It did absolutely nothing for me. I was like, oh, that's, that's an interesting book. That was, that was That was cute. Uh, that was yeah. nice. <laughs> um, and then I read it again, uh, about, I'd say about six years ago and it was it like absolutely uh, destroyed me in the best ways possible. 20 years ago, whenever I read it the first time, I just wasn't ready to hear what he had to say. But then, you know, life happens, right? Shit happens in your life. Just, you know, things change. And with the, with the, if your perspective of you in this world, and then all of a sudden the same book that was not meaningless, but just didn't really speak to you now does speak to you. So you got to remember that too, that, you know, your, your book might not be for everybody now, but it's going to be for somebody. And then it might be for somebody else later again, right?
0: That's so, that's so empowering to give people the gift of their experience from a place of love
1: very very true
0: yeah that that religious belief so go experience go experience that i love you right where you are and um i'm gonna write i'm gonna write my offensive satire that you won't like and i love you
1: i'll right <laughs> well, we, we be you know matt de and write books called you know like devoted as fuck or whatever he wrote <laughs> I think only matt can write a devotional book and throw an expletive in it he just wrote a new one didn't he um, well, he's, he's, like, writing, he's writing one right now. I feel like is like isn't it like don't be a dick yeah. and like other That's helpful awesome. advice. You know, <laughs> like, like all amazing. right. So
0: Matt,
1: Matt's carved himself out a nice little uh, a nice yes. little niche mark. I love it, but I mean, and what he what well, he writes I, is I, is helpful I, and useful.
2: <laughs> I sent him a meme. I said I already wrote this book. I'm sorry, I already wrote this book, and it was a meme. It's basically three pictures, right? And then the little and it says the first one is how to how to not be a dick. Then the second one is don't be a dick. And the third one is mm-hmm. follow me for more advice.
1: I uh, more. <laughs> <laughs> always always helpful. See, <laughs> so I'm hoping that when you buy his book, it'll be three pages long. That was useful. I want my 10 bucks back, Matt. <laughs> oh,
0: <man>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, we, we are going to have to cut this off here in a, in a moment, but um, man, oh man. I could I could talk to you for hours. We've talked for hours, and I haven't gotten to the end of of enjoying our time together. So I, I you know, if uh, you, know, you, know. you if you haven't um if you haven't read Meg's books, being, being my own sanctuary, right? Did I say that? Is that? so close. Or I am my own sanctuary. There it is. Okay, okay. I am my own sanctuary.
0: And every great book has a long ass subtitle. The subtitle is um, <laughs> how a recovering holy roller found healing and power. And it's for recovering nice. people, please. Yep.
1: Recovering people pleasers. That's amazing. And, and, uh, and obviously follow her on Facebook and Twitter and all the other social medias. I'm yeah, sure yeah. she's got a lively TikTok channel.
0: I do have, I'm on TikTok. I'm not on Twitter, but I do have a, I have a, a free gift for your listeners. May I share what?
1: this? What? Ooh. Wait, oh, it have- at the end.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I might be a nervous guest, but I'm a prepared guest. So um, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Yeah, so I have a free training that is um, three ways to make marketing your book more fun and less frustrating. So if you go to Megcalvin.com, you'll get it right there on the home page. And in the spirit of serving others and being in line with integrity, that will put you on my email list. But email marketing is not my forte. Organic social media marketing is my forte. So that means you're probably going to get an email from me once a quarter. so alerting you on exciting things. See, and that's the so, second gift. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so get, that, get, that, get that training. Three ways to make marketing your book more fun and less frustrating at megcalvin.com. Yeah. Excited to join you guys I, with it.
1: I thought for sure when you let off with that title, it was going to be three ways to make marketing your bitch. <laughs> Which you may want to rethink and go that way but we will <laughs> i'm sorry i just couldn't help it I just where my brain went um yeah. i need help i'm hoping to uh to get saved sometime this year um, <laughs> I'm, gonna go to, I'm gonna go to a revival and see if i can you know meet up with somebody but um uh, we'll, we'll link to that in the show Methodist
0: notes. If you go to a Methodist church, you can't be saved again because you've already been saved once.
1: They won't let you get saved twice? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a lie, John. I saved awesome. at least, At least every other Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I've been saved. I think actually at this point, it's just been like, how many times have you been saved? Oh, man. Well, man. punch so, card. I got saved nine times and then the, the, the tenth ten one was, the free. Ten was free. Did you yeah. get a free Subway sandwich or something at the end? Uh,
2: um, no, just free. I got free.
1: Uh, <laughs> free, free. And a little thing of grape juice. So maybe you didn't have to repent for the last one. Like, yeah, that's a freebie. You can have that one. Um, well, okay. As we slide into oblivious weirdness and... Um, we will link to your, your website on the show notes and make sure when those to come get their free gift. You don't want to pass up an opportunity to get, to get anything from Meg Calvin. She's fantastic. You'll love her. If you have the slightest inkling of a thought that you might want to write something or market something you've already written or just might want to just shoot the breeze with somebody, cool. You should really reach out. Um, yeah, I, I would just say just, just make, send the email, make the contact. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised about what what kinds of things Meg can help you do, um, what kinds of things you can accomplish. So I'll I'll leave it by saying thank you um for being an awesome guest and thank you for uh for being an awesome coach and a good friend. I appreciate you.
2: God, ditto.
1: I uh I agree with everything Nat said. <laughs> Yay. Way to, go, just, way, to, way to go on a limb there.
0: Yes. I
1: agree with nothing.
0: I also like how I'm, I was about to bow to you, like the guys on Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's
1: <laughs> World. Wayne's World. We're not worthy. All right. We're going to leave it at that before I say something else ridiculous. John, it's been a hoot. It has. Let it me has. hit this button. Hit that button, yo. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch, where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.